Hello, everybody, and welcome to 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan, and I will be your primary host, along with my father, Chris, who's currently on the DL, dealing with a little bit of a cold right now. He'll be back in the future. He'll be doing the second episode for sure. Uh, he'll be back as soon as he can. So with 211's podcast, one of the things that we will, or 211's Baseball Talk podcast, one of the things we'll be talking about is the Blue Jays. We'll put a central focus on the Toronto Blue Jays as we are Canadian and we want to give more Blue Jays talk to our Canadian listeners, right, since we do follow the team every day. Um, and we'll also, of course, be talking about things around the MLB because there are some very important things that happen on a weekly basis. This will be a weekly show. It won't be uh, every day. It won't be every two days. It'll be every week, probably going to be released Wednesdays or Thursdays. Uh, depending on how the week goes, at times we'll have to skip a week or two, but mostly it's going to be a weekly series. So today, we're going to be talking about Randall Gritchick, Thomas Pannone, Kendrys Morales, the Blue Jays farm, uh, that's all for uh, covering the Blue Jays, and around the MLB we'll talk about the schedules which were recently released, we'll talk about the Washington Nationals sell-off, and we'll talk about the playoff picture, because the playoffs are coming up really quick. So let's get right into it. In our leadoff spot today, we have Randall Gritchick who is a very versatile outfielder for the Toronto Blue Jays. In, in The outfield is an area in which they don't have much depth, let's be honest. Anthony Alford and Dwight Smith Jr. are not going to cut it. Okay, They are not going to be a star, a star, star outfielders in the future. Kevin Pillar is inconsistent. He gets hurt quite a bit. Um, but I'm not saying Grichik is the most consistent hitter either. All I'm saying is I feel like Grichik can bring a little bit more depth to the ball club than a Kevin Pillar could. Uh, just because Grichik can play everywhere, he has that defense, he has a defensive ability, and he has a better offensive ability than Kevin Pillar does. He brings about the same amount of speed, I'd say. So I don't see any way that Randall Grichik is not on this team in years to come. He, he's a valuable piece of your organization, of your team at the moment. And I don't think that you can pass up on Randall Gritchick because he brings so much to the ball club. He's a tremendous outfielder. He's got a potent bat. So I don't see how he is a piece that you trade away. I mean, you look at Anthony Alford's batting line right now in AAA Buffalo. He has a terrible 230 batting average. It's not why I wouldn't say terrible. He did miss some time, right? He got injured. But it's nothing spectacular for one of the Blue Jays' supposedly top prospects. He's got five home runs, 33 RBI, 15 stolen bases, and a 640 OPS. He's, he's, a, he's a great player when he's healthy. He can be a great player, but I don't think he's ever had a full season in which he's been healthy since probably A-ball. He's been a very... He's been a guy that gets hurt quite a bit. And I mean, right now, they're trying to convert Kevin Biggio to... who's a infielder who they who's normally a second baseman and third baseman, who they moved to first base because they thought they were going to need him there because there's no more room with all the depth they have on the infield in Lourdes Goriel Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Bo Bichette. Plus, Forrest Wall can play some second base if you need him to. So they tried to convert him to first base because they didn't really have a first baseman. Then they acquired Chad Spanberger in the Forrest Wall trade, uh, who is slashing an incredible line in single A right now in Dunedin. Um... 
So now they're trying to make Kevin Biggio become an outfielder. That's how little depth you have at that position in the outfield. He's going to be a corner outfielder, obviously. I mean, there are not many people that can transition from uh, third base, second base, first base position into becoming a center fielder. You already have Forrest Wall who can play center field. And if his bat is consistent, you better watch out because he can really be a force in the lineup as long as he stays healthy and he stays consistent with the bat. He was struggling with the Hartford Yard Goats in Double A, but he's really picked it back up ever since he got to New Hampshire, and he was tremendous in Single A this year. They couldn't keep him down there, so they brought him up to Double A, and he's performed relatively well for the Fisher Cats. I mean, he's this year in total through all the levels. He's got a 260 average, 10 home runs, 40 RBI, and his big thing is speed. He's got 33 stolen bases and a 745 OPS. He does strike out quite a bit, but so does Randall Gritchick. But Gritchick can play every outfield position. He's got a very potent bat. He brings a lot of speed to the team. Plus, he can be a tremendous leader. He's already showing his leadership in the clubhouse right now. But with all these young guys coming up, you're going to need a veteran leader. And I see Randall Gritchick as that guy. I see him as a piece of the ball club that you don't want to lose ever because he's been he's he he hasn't been the most consistent hitter, right? With he's he struck out almost triple the times that he's walked this year. I get that. He's going through a rough patch right now. But if he gets hot, and I think his swing can be easily corrected, you can't teach swinging for power. You can't teach hitting for power. And that's what, so that's something that uh, Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker had on their show, Baseball Central, uh, not too long ago, was that uh, uh, you can't teach power, but you can teach to hit for an average. And I think that if Randall Gritchick finds someone who can correct the uh, his swing mechanics and who can correct his swing, I think that he's going to be a guy that you want to have. He's going to, uh, let's be honest, he's not going to hit better than a 280 hitter, right? He's, it's tough to correct it at the age that he's at, but he can still make his average better than what it is right now at, I believe, 225 uh, on the year, which is nothing great, not going to lie, but it's better than what most of the prospects have. So even if you have Gritchick as a backup outfielder, he's still going to come in and play every second day, every third day, because these these inexperienced youngsters are going to be um, are going to need some days off, right? And they're going to need some tutoring from a guy like Gritchick. And they have Tim Leeper, who's doing a fantastic job with the outfielders. Now Teoscar Hernandez is also a young outfielder who's in the big leagues at the moment. He uh, He's one of the worst defenders I've seen in a long time. Hernandez has a tremendous potent bat, and he's a little bit inconsistent, but he's, he, when he's swinging it, you better watch out. You better stand back because he's going to be one of the better hitters in baseball if he can stay hot, right? But he has he's probably one of the worst defensive outfielders the Blue Jays have ever had, and they've had some very good defensive outfielders, which is... Kind of a high standard to live up to. I mean, you got Kevin Pillar and Randall Gritchick who are on your team. Plus, you have Vernon Wells, who won a couple of gold gloves. You have Devon White. So the Blue Jays have always had great defensive outfielders, and I don't think that Teoscar Hernandez fits into that role. I would not be shocked if he moves into a DH role or if he even gets traded. He's a trade chip. So is Anthony Alford. So is Dwight Smith Jr., unless you want them to be career triple-A ball players. Dalton Pompey has shown us that he cannot hit at the big league level, and he can't really stay healthy either. So I see him as a guy who has tremendous potential, but I don't think that he can, that he can perform at a level that you need him to. 
So I don't see a way that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro do not keep Randall Grichik, and I think they'd be foolish if they don't keep Randall Grichik on this ball club. And honestly, Kevin Pillar as well. If you can keep him, if you can find a way to balance it out between Grichik, Pillar, McKinney, Forrest Wall, and possibly Kevin Biggio, I, I, I say why not? Go for it, right? These are guys that are going to be fantastic for the young guys to learn from, both offensively and defensively. If you can keep them here, then you do that. Okay, so we're going to move on now to our next topic of conversation, which will be Thomas Pannone and the series against the Orioles. Wow. That shocked me. It didn't shock me that we absolutely destroyed the Orioles in the series. Of course, they're having one of the worst seasons in baseball history. They're at a terrible 33-90 and 90 right now. Uh, so... It doesn't shock me that we were that we did so well against it, but we haven't lost the Blue Jays haven't lost a game at home against these guys. They've won they've lost one all year and they're 11 or 12 and 1 something like that against the Orioles. It's been insane and Thomas Pannone who came up as a reliever, he's he's, he's a starter, he's been a starter, but they came up and they wanted to use him in a reliever role. He did pretty well. He had a 4.15 ERA through four appearances as a, as a reliever. He comes in as a starter. He had a very low whip as a reliever, which is fantastic. You want to keep that walks plus hits divided by innings pitched or whatever the metric is. You want to keep that low, and he kept it tremendously low. And his his whip right now is somewhere around 0.64. I think I was I saw after the game today. He dominated the Orioles lineup. I don't care that it's the Baltimore Orioles. You're still making your first big league start, and there are some very good hitters in that lineup, like Adam Jones. Tim Beckham can be a great hitter when, when he wants to be. Like, there are some very good hitters in that lineup. Jonathan Villar is a very experienced hitter. Thomas Pannone went out and threw six no-hit innings, and then Trey Mancini, who's also very good and experienced hitter, broke it up, right? So... I, I still think that that outing was amazing. I don't care that it was against the Baltimore Orioles of all teams. I care about how well he pitched, how well he was executing his pitches, the fact that he was able to field his position as well as he did. I thought that was amazing. Kendry's Morales has had a heck of a run since the All-Star break and even a little bit before that. But, I mean, this series against the Orioles really showed that if if, if every team was the Orioles we'd be like the Boston Red Sox of the league right now. Because I get it, the Orioles are bad and the Jays are barely better. I think they're like 12 games ahead of them in the standings, which sounds really good, but, you know, it's the Orioles, so it's not difficult to do. Um, but this series was a great offensive showing. Uh, David Hess did a heck of a job, did not deserve the loss today. Unfortunate that he got the loss. I mean... Both starters pitched seven strong innings. Hess, of course, three hits, one run. That one run was the Kendrys Morales home run, and Thomas Pannone, seven innings of one hit ball. Um, but I was incredibly impressed with the showing from Pannone, and I would not be shocked if once Marcus Stroman comes back, since Aaron Sanchez is scheduled to come back for Saturday, if all goes well in the side session tomorrow, I wouldn't be shocked. If they go with the six-man rotations, you can keep Baraki up there, who's been tremendous. He's had a rough couple of starts lately, but he's been your best pitcher all year long. Let's not let's not deny it. I wouldn't be shocked if you have a rotation of Baraki, Stroman, Sanchez, Gavilio, Estrada, and Pannone, and maybe slot Pannone in a little further up there if he keeps pitching the way he's pitching. I mean, his next start is against the Orioles again. 
this time in Baltimore. That'll be next week. But I think you got to keep him up here and ride this wave as long as you possibly can. To Kendrys Morales now. I think it's it's absolutely insane the fact that they haven't tried to put him through waivers yet. They put Smoke through waivers. I think you keep Justin Smoke if you can to mentor these young first basemen like Chad Spanberger and possibly Kevin Biggio a little bit because I think Smoke can be an important piece of your offense going into the going into the future. But the fact they haven't tried to put Kendrys Morales through waivers is insane because Morales has been extraordinarily hot of late. He's been actually over his past, I think I was watching the Blue Jays game today, over his past 74 games, he's been amazing. He's been fantastic. He's been red hot. You can get some tremendous pitching prospects or some some kind of prospect, maybe some outfielding prospects for Kendrys Morales. You're not going to get a little haul for him, especially if you if uh, if he keeps swinging the way he's swinging. You can say to the Yankees, hey, this will be a bat that you're going to need in your lineup. A DH that'll hit you a ton of home runs with a short porch in right field. That That's a switch hitter, which is always valuable, especially when you're in a division. You're probably going to face a Chris Sale in the playoffs, a David Price in the playoffs, and Eduardo Rodriguez in the playoffs. Three pitchers that are lefties that'll have to, and the Yankees will have to take Greg Bird out of there, who can only hit righties, atrocious against lefties. I think you'll have to put in Kendrys Morales at first base. He, he can switch hit. He's, he's going to be a tremendous piece to any team that acquires him if he keeps swinging the way he is right now. And, I mean, even the Boston Red Sox, they, they need it less. But, I mean, you look at what they did with Steve Pierce. When they acquired him, he was hot. And Dave Dombrowski said, screw it, let's acquire him. So they got Steve Pierce and Jay's got Santiago Espinal. And I think it was, a, it was a trade that worked out for both teams. I mean, Pierce has been lighting it up in, uh, in a Boston uniform. And Espinal has been great in New Hampshire. So I don't, see, I don't see why Dave Dombrowski wouldn't do that just to add a bat to bolster his lineup, right? And I mean, you have to try to get rid of him, not because you want to get rid of him, but because you know the haul that you're going to get back is probably at the best you're ever going to get it. Since Morales has a tendency to slow down quite a bit, I think that the, uh, the prospects, the items that you'll get back are greater, they have a greater chance of being top prospects now than they will ever in the future unless someone sees a ton of potential in Morales with their hitting coach or something. Now that's, that'll wrap up the Blue Jays segment of the podcast. Uh, we move on now to uh, around the MLB. Today the schedules were released, or at least it was the schedule was released for the Blue Jays uh, for the 2019 season. And turns out it's the 30th anniversary of Rogers Center slash Skydome on June 5th, the first ever game played at Rogers Center slash Skydome at the time in 1989 was on June 5th of that year. And I think they, they should have a massive celebration, maybe not a massive celebration, but they should have some kind of celebration, like some replica Skydome figurine or something to commemorate that day when they play the game, uh, which will be at Rogers Center, by the way. Uh, so you should go out and check that game out. They play the uh, NL West, which will be very interesting, as they're in a tight, tight race right now, which we'll get into a little bit later uh, in the podcast. But, I mean, they face the Diamondbacks, Dodgers, Rockies, Padres, and Giants uh, with the team of prospects that should be coming up next year, like Bichette, Guerrero, possibly Biggio. You'll have Guriel up there. It'll be an interesting, it'll be interesting series. I, I don't think... Listen, I don't expect the Blue Jays to make the playoffs next year. 
I expect them to have a year like they did in 2014, where they're probably about three games out of the wild card, where they come very close, but they don't actually make it just because of the competition they have in their division right now. But yeah, I think it'll be a very interesting season next year for the Blue Jays and for a lot of other teams. I mean, the San Francisco Giants, I'm not sure what happened this year. You get you acquire uh, Andrew McCutcheon and Evan Longoria. You still have Mark Melanson as your closer. I don't know what on earth went wrong there. They have no starting pitching other than Bumgarner, and that's probably why they've struggled. And Bumgarner hasn't been at his best, really, uh, at all this year. But, I mean, you still have a very potent-looking lineup on paper, you have Evan Longoria and Andrew McCutcheon, like I just mentioned. How can you go wrong with those two on the same team? It'll be an interesting year for a lot of teams in the league. Can the Nationals bounce back? I mean, the, this is the uh, this is the year that it just all went south. Will they have Bryce Harper? You you never know, right? Like so many things could happen in the off season. So many factors could factor into the outcome of the 2019 season for the Washington Nationals. Are you able to, to re-sign some of the guys you traded away? Is Bryce Harper going to re-sign? Like, at times you have to focus. Maybe maybe you don't re-sign Bryce Harper. Maybe you don't even push to re-sign Bryce Harper. Purely because he, had a, he didn't have a great season. He's not having a great season this year. And there are other guys that I think can bolster their lineup and provide the same impact that a healthy and good Bryce Harper will. You add a couple of pieces. Maybe you try to re-sign a Daniel Murphy, who I believe is in the final year of his contract. Maybe not Matt Adams, but if you want to re-sign him, go ahead. He's going to bolster your lineup, too. One thing I don't want to see next year is I don't want to see the Golden State Warriors of baseball. And I think the first thing that will come to mind when I say the Golden State Warriors of baseball will be the New York Yankees. You have Aaron Judge, who's a potent young slugger. You recently acquired Giancarlo Stanton, who's under control for nine more years, I think it is. Manny Machado said he wants to sign with that team. That would be the most stacked team in the history of baseball. And I just think it ruins the sport. You look at the NBA, how you have how you've had like four consecutive finals, I think it is, that's been Warriors, Cavs, Warriors, Cavs. Warriors, Cavs. Warriors, Cavs. I think it's ridiculous. I know that you want to have the best team possible on the field, but you at least have to give some competition. You have to have some competition to, so that you don't end up with a record of 150 wins, 12 losses. Now, that's a bit extreme, and it will never happen in a big league, uh, in, in, for, to a big league team, which are, at least I don't think it will. But you don't want to have an insane record. You want to have some competition for the fans to watch. You don't want it to be straight domination. I hope that it's too much to sign Manny Machado. I hope that the price is way too high for the New York Yankees. I hope the Cubs get him or someone, someone in the NL gets him. Because that American League East or someone in the AL Central gets him. Because that American League East right now, it is way too stacked. And I have a feeling that... The East alone will become a Warriors-Cavs type of thing between the Red Sox and Yankees and the Blue Jays, who are still probably two years out of playoff contention. Uh, it's going to be bad for the sport, honestly, and I, uh, I hope that Manny Machado doesn't sign there. Opening day is the earliest it ever has been. 
It'll be March 28th next year. The Blue Jays, I'm not sure what the home opener or opening day will be for a lot of the teams, but all 15 teams are scheduled to, or all 30 teams, pardon me, there'll be 15 games, are scheduled to play March 28th. Um, and there is a, an opening series between, I believe I read it was the A's and the Mariners, that'll be in Japan on March 21st and 22nd, or March 20th and 21st. So that'll be really interesting to see, and that counts as league games, so it'll be an even earlier opening day. I believe it counts as league games, at least. It gives them a nice week to give them some time to get to Japan, get used to the time zone, play your games there, come back to America, and get used to your time zone again, which will be difficult, and I'm glad that they did it a week before uh, before the season starts, uh, because just so it can give them a, a fair amount of time to get back into get back into your time zone. Moving on now to the Washington Nationals sell-off. Yesterday, Matt Adams traded back to the Cardinals where he hit a home run that destroyed the Dodgers' hopes a couple of years ago and Dodger fans, if there are Dodger fans listening to this, my apologies for bringing it up. But Matt Adams returns to the Cardinals in a trade by the Washington Nationals for cash considerations and um, Daniel Murphy to the Cubs. And I forget who the piece was that went back to the Nats from the Cubs uh, in that deal. But apparently it was one of their top prospects. And I think this all stems from the absolutely ridiculous and ludicrous move by the Washington Nationals to fire or not re-sign Dusty Baker after last year. I think it's ridiculous. You can't have a new voice coming in every two years to that team. They'll have no idea what to believe. An entirely new coaching staff most of the time telling them all sorts of different crap that they can't get used to and they'll have no, they won't know what to do. And it's, it shows what happens. I mean, you had Davey Johnson for two years. Then you got, I forget his name. Then you got Dusty Baker. And then now you have Dave Martinez I don't think it's entirely Dave Martinez's fault. I think it's Mike Rizzo's. Rizzo needs to be out of there. You cannot hire a new manager every two years and expect your team to win. That's a, that's a new voice too often. Mike Matheny got fired recently because he was there for a good five, six years. That's when you need a new voice, right? If the team's struggling and it's been five or six years, you need a new voice at that point. But you don't need a new voice every two years when the team isn't struggling they just can't make it out of the first round of the playoffs and I don't think Mike Rizzo understands that because it's been ridiculous what he has done over the past six years with the Washington Nationals firing and hiring managers like they're like they're fresh off off the off the line it's been ridiculous it's been bad for them it's ruined their chances of going anywhere in the playoffs and it's not the manager's fault Newsflash, Mike Rizzo. It's the players. The players choke in the playoffs. The manager doesn't. Dusty Baker's a fantastic manager, and he should not have been let go after the 2017 season. He should have stayed there. Give the players a little bit of consistency. 
Daniel Murphy played there for three and a half years. He had two different managers in three and a half years. If the team has 90 lost seasons, I get it. Then you fire a manager every two years. But your team is dominating the NL East, and they're getting to the playoffs every year. They just can't make it out of the first round. Your solution should not be to fire your manager and get a completely new coaching staff. The new voices that are being heard, there are just too many of them. Too many voices to listen to. It's messing up the players' swings. It's messing up the pitchers. Steven Strasburg can't stay healthy to save his life. It's been terrible. The Nationals, it's about time they sell off. Maybe Bryce Harper re-signs. He he probably would have if he made it to at least the NLDS. If he made it to the playoffs this year, he's not going to re-sign next year if you don't make it to the playoffs. Maybe even if you don't make it to the NLCS, you're not going to make it anywhere if you don't have a consistent manager and consistent voices in that clubhouse, in that dugout. It's ridiculous, ludicrous what Mike Rizzo has done with that team. The manager should stay consistent. The manager should be there for more than two years at a time, especially if you're making it to the playoffs. John Gibbons, manager of the Blue Jays. He's been the manager ever since John Farrell left. He had a terrible first year, came back the second year, almost made it to the playoffs, three games out of the wild card at the end of the year. Next year, they made it to the ALCS, couldn't beat the Royals, who ended up winning the World Series in that ALCS, but guess what they did? They didn't fire him, they kept him for one more year, and guess what? They lost in the ALCS again. But guess what they did? They kept him because he's had success. The players were having success. They lost a big piece of the organization, Edwin Encarnacion, which is tough to recover from. But if the organization is having success with a certain manager, it's probably not the manager's fault. If you have a couple of consecutive terrible losing seasons, then it's the manager's fault. Then the manager, then the coaches are doing something wrong. And I think that John Gibbons is not at fault in the Blue Jays organization right now. I think he's, he's a great manager. He's a great personality to have in the clubhouse. He keeps his players in check, but also lets them do what they want at times. He's been a fantastic manager with the ball club. And I think this is his last year as a Blue Jay. I'm not sure if he'll take on a front office role. But I do believe that this is going to be his last year with the Toronto Blue Jays as their, ma- as their manager. And in next week's, ep- next, next week's podcast, we're going to discuss managerial options for the Blue Jays going forward as they have um, as they have a lot of things to think about next year. Will you have Guerrero, Bichette, Guriel, possibly Biggio up in the big leagues next year? Or do you save them one more year? Do you give them some seasoning in AAA at the beginning of the year and then bring them up? Yeah, you will have a terrible season if that if that is the case because, I mean, you look at what happened this year and how that all unfolded. But it's, it, it's got be to be better than some of the other options. So we're going to talk about managerial options next week, which should be the episode should be coming out next Wednesday, possibly Thursday. But yeah, so I, I think it's ridiculous what Mike Rizzo's done to the Nationals organization, and it's about time they sell off because they finally realized, and Rizzo has finally realized, hey, I'm not making it to the playoffs this year. My organization is not making it to the playoffs this year. We got to trade away these pieces so we can make it to the playoffs in the future. It took him long enough to realize that this year, and he shouldn't have fired the managers. Anyway, now we're going to move on to the playoff picture. Right now, if the playoffs started today... 
Pulling up the standings right this second, we have Boston and Cleveland as the only two division leaders right now as the Astros and A's are tied in that insane AL West. It's just like the NL West. The two Western divisions have three teams that are in a major race for the top spot and for playoff spots. If we look at the wild card right now, we have uh, New York, Oakland, and Houston, who are all in the two wild card spots. We're all trying to jam into the two wild card spots. I see the Astros winning the division. I think they have more depth pitching wise, and not necessarily offensively. I think the A's, if the Astros are all healthy, then then they're a better team and they win the division by a long shot. But they're not all he- all healthy, and I don't know how healthy Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve will be come playoff time. So I still do have the Astros winning that division, and I have a Yankees-A's wildcard game in the AL. The Yankees are basically a lock for the wildcard. I don't see a way that they don't make it unless they go on some major losing streak. The pitching chokes, Hap becomes terrible, Severino continues his streak of bad outings. I I don't see a way that the the Yankees don't at least make it to the wildcard. The A's will... Throw Sean Maniah at him. It's that easy. You don't have much other depth. Maybe you send Edwin Jackson. Maybe Patrick Corbin. But I don't see a way that you don't throw Sean Maniah in a wild card game. Thing is, you're facing the Boston Red Sox, who are having a historic year for their organization, and really in baseball. So you're really competing just to face the Red Sox, but at least you get to say you made it to the playoffs. So if the playoffs were to start today... The Red Sox would face either the Yankees, A's, or Astros, uh, whoever wins that wildcard game. And the Indians would face the winner of the AL West, which would be either the A's or the Astros. Uh, Baltimore and Kansas City are both officially eliminated from playoff contention, I believe. Possibly just the division, but I am not certain. I believe it's just out of playoff contention entirely, but it's possible I am wrong on that one. We move over to the NL now. Uh, Right now, the division leaders are definitive. There aren't two of them. The Cubs lead the Central, and they have the best record in the NL at 71-53. and And the Braves and Diamondbacks both lead their respective divisions. The Braves the East, the Diamondbacks the West, at 70-55 for Atlanta, and 70-56 for Arizona. Let's start in the NL East. Phillies, Braves. The Nationals are out. The Marlins have been terrible since day one. They've been terrible since they traded Stanton. And uh, they had the the weird decision not to trade Real Muto. I get it. He's a piece of your future. But you could definitely get some great prospects for him. Uh, he's a tremendous catcher. He's he's a very fast catcher, which you don't see very often. Um, the Marlins have been terrible since day one. I think they understand that. They're out. The Mets, shockingly, have been awful. Uh, it's really surprised me to see how bad they were at the beginning of the year. They're playing like a team that was nowhere close to the playoffs, that have, that has been nowhere close to the playoffs over the past 10 years. And they've, they've been playing like the Padres, honestly. Um, Padres are a mess. An absolute mess of an organization. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a two-team race, the Phillies and the Braves. 
Braves pull it out. Pull out the division. Phillies get a wild card. I'll give them that much. They're a very good team, and they're, in my mind, for sure going to make it into the playoffs as a wild card team. I feel the Braves have just a better offense, maybe not as great pitching. Yeah, Fultonavich, who's tremendous. Gosman, who's a little inconsistent, but when he's on, he is on. Anibal Sanchez, who has been a surprise. But, I mean, Julio Tejeran is not a guy that can be relied on too much. So, I think the Braves do pull out with that division purely on offense. The Phillies will get a wild card. St. Louis is going to fall off real soon. They're just riding the new voice of Mike Schilt. Hey, Mike Rizzo, you give the manager a little extra time. Then you fire him. So, St. Louis, I I, I don't think that they'll make it to the playoffs. Colorado, Philadelphia is my matchup. Milwaukee has been on the decline for a while now. Colorado-Philadelphia is my wildcard matchup, and the Phillies win that. Um, but yeah, I see Milwaukee falling out. I see St. Louis falling out. I see Milwaukee missing by maybe a game, probably. That's what I think a game. I don't see them missing by much. They're a very good, well-built team. They just haven't been able to execute with Jonathan Scope and Mike Moustakis recently traded to the team. Sorry for the interruption. Uh, we're right back here now. Like I said, Phillies-Rockies, Phillies win that, they'll face the Cubs, it'll be a Braves, D-backs, NLDS to go along with that, and I think that um, the Braves end up coming out on top in that series, and I don't, I, I think it's too close to call right now between the Cubs and the Phillies, they're two very good teams, the Cubs with the addition of Cole Hamels are going to be difficult to beat, but I do see that it's a very close series. Deep pitching. Jake Arrieta will be back in Chicago, uh, I think, depending if all goes as planned, all goes the way I think it's going to go. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. Um, and now moving on to MLB Players Weekend. Players Weekend is a series that started last year, and teams, players get to wear some color rush, as, in, as they have in the NFL jerseys with their nicknames on the back. I think it's an amazing idea. I love it personally. I think it's hilarious to see some of the nicknames that the players come up with. For example, Marco Estrada this year for the Blue Jays, Estrada Sphere, Russell Martin, born in Montreal. Um, I believe he was born in Montreal. Uh, has the nickname Le Muscle, with the French word for the, uh, instead of instead of the, the, the real word in English. Uh, there are some pretty interesting... Uh, Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Indians. Not Justin. I thought that one was pretty funny. And Brad Boxberger of the of the D-backs having a, the, the box emoji and the burger emoji. I love the tradition. Some people don't. And I think it's going to be in the MLB for years to come. I personally love it. I think that it's, it's, a great, it's a great weekend for players to let loose, show their goofy side a little bit, and show off some of the crazy nicknames that they have. Uh, for their for themselves that the players have given them, that some of the fans have given them, uh, that former teammates have given them. I, I love it, and I think it's great for the sport. I think it's something that they haven't had in a long time, and I think it's it's really going to generate more views if that's what, if that's what the goal was. But I, I think it's I think it's amazing what it's been able to do for the for the league, and I don't see it stopping anytime soon. So thank you very much for listening. This has been episode one of 211's Baseball Talk. 
Tune in for episode two next week. My name is Dylan, and I'm signing off. See you next time.